Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour Podcast, and I'm your host, Cole Sharman. Today, we're joined by Ian Edwards. Ian made the transition in 2017 from IT into cybersecurity. From there, his quick rise has seen him nominated twice as Newcomer of the Year at the Cybersecurity Awards. Ian now runs Medica Group's Information Security. He leads the information security and risk team, maintaining the group's information security and quality management systems, and leading on risk management and cybersecurity strategy. In a relatively short space of time with the company, Ian has dr- driven a security transformation program. Ian is also delivering a fresh, modern security awareness program to further develop Medica's human firewall. Hope you enjoy it. Beecher Madden are recruiters for cybersecurity and corporate governance professionals. Leveraging our long-held relationships, industry knowledge and data-driven approach, we help companies and candidates make better hiring decisions. So let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Uh, Down by the seaside in Hastings in the UK and it still remains my current hometown. Excellent. So who are your parents? Uh, so they were both uh, both local to the area. Um, my, my father spent much of his uh, career working in the electricity industry. He started out on the tools as an apprentice electrician um, and then retired in recent years um, from a more kind of technical advisory position at a large plastics manufacturer. Um, but my mother, uh, she worked in financial services in the early part of her career and then she stepped away to become parent to to my sister and I um, never really went back into kind of full-time work but she she worked um, in adult education running uh, introductory computing courses um, so kind of on the lines of office office products such as word and excel um, for kind of starter starter courses for for, for adults who uh, kind of new to computing um, maybe the older generation that were a bit disconnected and how, if, if any, what way was that an influence in terms of, you know, you or your career? Uh, I, I think my, my parents were, were both quite sensible. So um, I kind of have that common sense grounding as, as an individual. I was never particularly crazy as a youngster. Um, always always kind of more mature for, for my age, whatever kind of part of my part of my life. And I think that still kind of sits true true now um I, I kind of surprise people with my my maturity even even in kind of recent years um which uh, which is yeah is, is a useful as a useful uh, a strength to have um i think common Absolutely. common sense isn't isn't always common place um <laughs> in, in this day and age no i agree with that so tell us a little bit about your education I've always been fairly academic, um, I was, and I was definitely academic in my younger days. Um, uh, I, I stayed on after doing uh, my GCSEs, studied a couple of my favourite favorite areas um, in IT and media studies. Um, but believe it or not, at the time, I actually wanted to become a primary school teacher. Um, but I kind of took a bit of a sensible pos- uh, decision to take a gap year. Um, I actually worked in an education setting for, for kind of six to, to nine months um, and then realised it but it wasn't really for me. So actually I kind of took a, uh, a U-turn 
uh, kind of cancer of my my university place uh, ended up working in uh, local government um and yeah sort of moved moved into where i am now um but i, I kind of eventually got the the academia bug eventually um and actually completed a number of modules um, and a certificate of higher education in it via the open university uh, whilst working full-time and renovating a few houses at the same time so it was a uh, good fun <laughs> <laughs> sounds incredibly busy so what was when was the first time actually you heard or learned about cybersecurity? probably when i stepped into it back in 2008 um really just beginning to kind of understand the importance of uh, things like having having passwords and controlling access to data um particularly in a, in a corporate network um although I, I suppose it didn't properly resonate as information security or it security um uh, until shortly before i moved into my my first role in in an it security team back in 2017 what interests me about you is you're doing it from a a local standpoint in terms of working for local companies to to your area. So how does how has that impacted your career compared to if you were you know commuting into London, for example? Yeah, I think I've naturally been, I've been quite fortunate to to have some regional offices. Um, down here, there's not there's not many of them, um, but yeah, they've, they've certainly been really important for me um i mean hastings is a tricky location to commute from um if if i if if i didn't have those regional offices i probably would have ended up going to to south london or, or central london or potentially brighton um so yeah so companies like hastings direct and mark study in particular um kind of given me the opportunity and exposed me to larger business environments whilst re- retaining a, a sensible commute which is nice for the kind of Work-life, uh, family balance, especially now that I've got uh, a couple of young children, uh, means I'm not not coming home too too late and not having to leave too early in the morning, which um, kind of is very very beneficial for for me. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 kind of now having that kind of sort of larger business experience, it's useful as an opportunity to to kind of utilize that um, where I am at the moment with Medica. So tell us a little bit about your current role and, and how you got there. Uh, so I was actually fairly settled in my position at, at Mark Study. I was still still very new into security, so I was just kind of getting my teeth into things. Um, and uh, although I had been craving kind of a leadership position for for a few years, um, really that was kind of driven by by my my passion to to develop others. Um, so the the opportunity at Medica actually came out of the blue. Um, to spar a specialist recruiter, um, had an opportunity to meet the COO, um, and uh, yeah, it was a, just a really good fit on both sides. And uh, yeah, here we are, sort of thirteen months later, we've done quite a bit. So, what was it like when you arrived? You know, talking about the the security or risk program. You know, what was your first you know thoughts when you arrived? As you can imagine, smaller organizations can often be a bit behind the curve in terms of their security and data protection posture, and that that, that was naturally the case. Um, usually, it's down to the fact that there's a, there's a lack of internal expertise or someone, in, someone within the business has had to, to pick up a particular responsibility, but naturally hasn't got the grounding or, or background um, or relevant background 
uh, in it. So um, I kind of inherited a ISMS that had been put in place um, and certainly put in place with the best intentions. Um, but kind of a year later, we've we sort of transformed the the overall program and and. The I think the key the key thing for us was putting a focus on the human factor element, um, and alongside that, simplifying the approach to security risk management and data protection, um, which has had a huge benefit to the organisation and it's it's kind of uh, instilled real real kind of positivity and confidence around the area. And you mentioned uh, two questions ago now that you report into the COO, so. Ha- how important is reporting lines for you? I, I think it, it always depends. Uh, that's one of our favorite favorite terms. It, it depends um, in our industry. Um, it re- really depends on on what's best for an organisation at the particular time. Um, I, I don't think there is a there is a particular right or wrong reporting line for us for a senior security officer um i mean the current reporting line at medica works well um i know there are some industry arguments around moving a CISO function away from it um and I, I think this tends to make sense um as it as it does enable kind of better governance of the technology functions when it comes to security um, but again it, it really does depend on on the maturity of the organization and, and whether they're whether they uh, for a CISO or a, whoever the kind of equivalent senior security person is, whether they're, as an individual, whether they're ready to actually either report to a member of the board or report to the board or become part of the board, which is obviously happening in, in some some organisations. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's important, but fundamentally the, the, the programme, the security programme is, is more important than the reporting line itself. And if you're higher up, do you feel this gives you better oversight to oversee all the risks that may need mitigating? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by, by reporting into a member of the board, you've got better access and better opportunity to hold the right conversations, uh, ultimately with the decision makers of, of the organisation. Of course, it's important that the, the person having the conversation is, is skilled in, in, in these areas. And again, I kind of mentioned that earlier, so it would be serious. To, to have um, the most senior security person reporting into the board if they're not if they don't have kind of the, the soft skills in order to do that um, and, and often I think we see lead lead security people who do lack those soft skills reporting um, more often into the IT director um, but with or, or maybe a C-suite member but with little little or limited access to the wider board. And you mentioned again a couple of questions ago that you had that itch to want to move towards leadership or management. So how have you found stepping up to, to manage a team within cybersecurity? It, it's been it's been both a, both a challenge and it's also been very refreshing. Um, it, it's rewarding actually to be able to focus on the development of others um, and the development of a, of a strategic program um, and for me that's that's been the important thing um, it's less about the managing but more about the leading through development and opportunity um, so I've, I've naturally had to be on my toes a lot in the past year but I, I tend to thrive in in those situations um, and that's that's generally where I, I tend to perform well has there been any challenges that you've learned you know from since you did this transition um, the, the the mindset to to delegation coming coming from a from a role where you're part of a team and you're used to being delegated work and and and, and given a given a either a 
particular area that you're responsible for um, or managing your own little area to suddenly owning the whole program and actually having to utilize your your resource and your team members um, effectively that's that's probably the biggest been the biggest challenge um, but it's one that I've enjoyed doing and I think actually my my previous grounding in in terms of good time management um, breaking breaking larger pieces of work down into tasks um, that's kind of that's kind of helped in the in the past and and now um, as I kind of do it on a day-to-day basis with with a team under me Absolutely. And for any of us in security, obviously, time is one of our key issues. So what is your advice around, you know, managing time in such a complex and high pressured environment? Uh, I I think uh, it's always you've always got to focus on the prioritizing uh, based on the businesses, um, the the business focus um, and and. and business outcomes so, so ultimately you have to kind of dedicate more of your time to the things that are going to help the business achieve its goals and, and objectives um and and again that you only kind of learn that as uh, by having the right conversations at that differing levels of the organization so um which which again is is why it's, it is important to be able to build strong relationships both at the c-suite but also with your peers uh, kind of uh, management level uh, and also with with the staff who are kind of running the engine so to speak absolutely and, and and you focused on you know one of them priorities as you said is is you know focusing on the right areas and you focused on data protection uh, in recent years so how do you prioritize between this and cybersecurity? and and secondly how, how do you link them so, uh, I mean, it, it, within larger organizations, you tend to find that they that you have separate functions. So, um, you'll have a, a data protection office, you'll have an information security office, you'll have a risk office. Um, but obviously, in smaller business, the crossover becomes more prominent. Um, so, in my case, I have to juggle responsibility for advising to advise a business both on security, data protection, and risk management, and wear multiple multiple hats, um, which which could be a challenge. And that there is an element where I have to be cautious of of kind of conflict of interest between data protection and security because they are fundamentally fundamentally two different things um but it's it's all about kind of being able to adapt and be flexible and to shift my my focus when required um and and a lot of forward planning absolutely and obviously within data protection comes gdpr so how do you get to understand new regulations like GDPR? How do you do it? Uh, so it was very much thrusted upon me as, a, as an as an opportunity back back in back when I was working at Mark Study. Um, but in terms of kind of learning them and understanding them, the, 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 for me, the best way I, I find is is taking a step back, doing a bit of reading, research, um, and and more importantly, networking with other people that have experience. Uh, of that particular field um, i mean data protection has been around for a long time now so that there are individuals out there who've, who've been practicing it for 15 20 years um, so being able to kind of um, have conversations with them and learn from them ultimately i, I find kind of the most effective effective way um, but ultimately as time goes on your understanding increases you, you're able to kind of answer those questions you you weren't able to previously more quickly um, and um, again, utilizing, I, I guess, your your own your own resources because you may have someone on your team, for example, who um, 
may not understand data protection, but is very good at absorbing and and reading literature and material. Um, so I, I have a, I'm quite fortunate. I have someone on my team who who's able to able to do that, um, and they they often will do a lot of reading for me and pick out the kind of the key information, and then I'm able to then kind of make the the decisions on on how we should advise um, the business based on a particular challenge. And how have you found linking GDPR to security for the business? And and how can both areas work together to mitigate further risks? So this is always an interesting one because security and data protection have become closer. But I think it's important to 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 make the clear distinction between the two um, because it's not always clear to everyone. Um, the information security, as we know, is a, is predominantly around maintaining confidentiality the integrity and availability, or CIA as we, we refer to it, um, of business information, which can include personal data, but we also factor in everything else. So it could, could be our financial uh, records and, or our other, other business information and data that's kind of critical to the organization. Whereas data protection um, is, is more about the protection uh, and rights um, freedoms of in, of individuals um, and, and really it's about kind of ensuring that what processing an organization does of personal data is done kind of within the law um, uh, that there is the element of security in, in data protection um, and we, we can refer to article 32 um, security of processing as, as, as an example of that um, but to answer your question I, th- I think one of the main convergent areas uh, is that of uh, kind of cyber attack or data breach risk um, but by applying good data protection and information security practices they can both reduce risk in this area um, and I think a kind of a, there'll be times when a collaborative effort and again good good communication and transparency between the security function of an organization and, and the data protection function if they're separate um, obviously in my case it's a it's a multiple hat switching, which in a way makes the communication a lot easier because I'm only talking to myself and my team. Um, but providing you have that uh, that approach, I think it can certainly help help reduce risk within an organisation. And another one of them risks is third party or you know supply chain. So you know I'm sure we're all aware that this has been at the forefront of a number of breaches in the last year or so so how have you built programs to overcome or mitigate these types of risks I think as uh, as many of my peers um certainly have been uh, been on the been on the both the complete well on the receiving end and the completing end of uh, supply chain assurance exercises um, and I think actually it's, it's often quite a pain point for, for many security officers and, you, and you, you you hear of the individuals and teams that are kind of drowning in them um, it, it, I think it was probably worse in 20, 2017 2018 when when businesses were also sending out data protection questionnaires that were kind of blurring between um, security and data protection um, but from my perspective my, my approach has always been to apply kind of common sense and, and focus efforts on key suppliers uh, so f- for me uh, in, in terms of actually doing the supplier assurance um, for Medica um, we, we actually sat down um, and kind of came up with a methodology to kind of categorize and identify our suppliers um, so we're, we're actually using a, t- a three-tier approach um, where it kind of leaves you with a handful of suppliers that, that what we consider are 
the, the highest risk. Um, and it's, this is kind of where you can focus the appropriate levels of assurance rather than trying to send every supplier the, the same questionnaire set, um, which in, in many cases, 80, 90% of it could be completely kind of uh, irrelevant to them or, or to us um, and actually a lot of, lot of wasted resource. Um, I mean, having said that, it's not impossible to, to actually really mitigate against the third-party related breach as ultimately we don't have any control over what, what they're doing to, a, to an extent um, in the same way that um, our clients don't have, as, don't have that much control over us. So again, it, it's really... It's really uh, it's a trust a trust game, um, and making sure that you have uh, strong contracts, good data processing agreements, um, and incident response processes in place, um, and that's really important. And you talk about controls and trust. Um, another aspect, I'm sure, of this within within your third parties is communication. So how do you how do you promote that, and how do you lead by example within you know communication and trust? So, uh, I mean, as a as a service provider organisation, we, we we are heavily um, we, we're heavily on the receipt of supplier assurance rather than doing it ourselves. Um, and again, I, I think we I've, I've built up a very strong relationship internally between our business development team and and my function. Um, uh, and actually, we, we've done a lot of work to uh, empower the the account managers to actually have the um, the kind of the, the, the knowledge and, and this kind of standard responses to a lot of the questions that are repeated over and over again. Um, so we actually have quite a quick quite a quick turnaround, I think, compared to what I've seen in, in previous previous organisations, um, where we can we can get responses back for um, for help with data protection impact assessments or for supplier assurance questionnaires, kind of within within uh, days or weeks rather than weeks and months which i i've seen in the past um uh, so, so that's 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 really important and actually when you have a when you have a strong uh, business development team they've already they're kind of keeping that channel of communication open and the, the relationships there so actually my function um isn't actually that visible we just kind of help it become quite a well-oiled machine yeah no i understand so you talk, you talk about a lot of these types of risks and how you've built the program, but obviously you need senior buy-in. So how do you speak to boards or the leadership about the more technical aspects within cybersecurity and risk? Uh, so so boards, boards are certainly becoming more and more aware of security or cyber. Um, that's naturally happened because of, the, because of the more prominent breaches over, over, the, over the past few years. Um, and yeah, they're, they're obviously taking it far more far more seriously than than they they, they may have been in the past. Um, but I think I think it's actually really important to focus on what they actually understand and what what, what what's important to them. Um, their their time is short, um, so you have to be able to make a real impact with as little time as you as you get. Um, so, so this for me that that means leaving the technical aspects out unless they specifically ask about it. Um, if they're actually asking about the technical aspects, then I think you're you're definitely doing the right thing because it means that they're they're buying into the conversation. Um, but the, the focus for me is always talking in a language that they understand. So I, I talk in terms of risk and and financials. Um, so that, that I think that's I think that's the best kind of place to be. And when do you 
when do you tend to you know take something to a senior leader or a board and when is it just you know business as usual to be fair if it's uh, if it's yeah unless it's unless it's kind of outside of the kind of the BAU BAU world you don't tend to you don't tend to to, to go to them too often um i think I mean, we we we've instilled a uh, a regular cyber paper that gets written um, that kind of gives a uh, an overview of the, the the healthcare industry, the the wider UK industry um, in terms of what what cyber um, and security looks like, um, uh, and also kind of highlights our our internal position. So we 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 use a, a kind of a, a speedometer dial, which kind of kind of. We, we position where we believe we are in terms of whether we're high, medium, or um, or high or medium uh, risk. Um, that that kind of that kind of helps steer the the conversation. Um, so actually, the the, the conversations tend to be more uh, business case related. So if, if we're we're looking at putting in a new solution or um, or kind of coming up with a, a new relationship with a, a third party that's going to be providing consultancy or services to us. That's, that's usually where that conversation springs from, but we use a kind of a regular reporting mechanism to do it rather than kind of coming out of the blue. Um, so it's, it's more planned and prepared for. Yes, totally understood. So, you know, let's go back to you for a little bit. So, You've been nominated as a finalist in the Newcomer of the Year category at the Cybersecurity Awards for the last two years running, which congratulations, that's, a, that's a, you know, an amazing achievement for someone who has been in security for, for a short time, you know, really. Um, so what does that mean to you and, and why has that been so important for you? Uh, well, thank, thank you for the for the for the kind words. It's it's, it's uh, certainly appreciated. Um, I mean, it, it does mean a lot to to have achieved this, especially with two different organisations. Um, it, it, it's nice to have some validation, not only from your bosses, but actually from experienced professionals within the the industry that you the, or the field that you you specialise in. Um, I mean, the personal awards are. are far more importance i think at these events compared to the vendor ones for obvious reasons um uh but yeah f for me it was it was just nice just to get that kind of firm validation from from the people that i work with um and and from from others in, in the industry um and it's it, it, it's nice to sort of it's, it's nice to have it and i think it's, it's it's good to to know that you're you're certainly on the right track and doing the right things and how have your company valued that? Uh, so uh, I think as as uh, as an organisation, I think it's great. It's great to be able to um, to for the business to, to to go out to their to their clients and say, look, we've got uh, we've got award nominated team that are looking after our or advising us on security and data protection. Um, it, it's a, it does certainly help help the. Um, the way that they can market the organization um uh, and I, yeah i think it's, it's and it's also a good it's good for building positive positivity and um and certainly helps um with the uh, with kind of staff morale because if, if we win an award whether it's as a whether we uh, or we're nominated for award whether it's as an organization as a whole or whether it's an individual i think i think it, it kind of it kind of recognizes that the business and uh, are doing the right things um, and in particular, with personal awards, I think it shows that the business is uh, investing in in their people, 
um, which I think is really important and, and something that is so, sometimes missing in, in a lot of lot of businesses. But those that realise that and have strong kind of HR focus, um, they're certainly tapping into that and, and um, kind of benefiting from it. I totally agree. So back to you again, like how has it benefited your career? Uh, so it's, I mean, it, I, I guess it, I guess it's, it's a not, it's a nice thing to have for the, for the, for the CV. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, th- I think uh, you, you could have an award or you can not have a, it's, it's a bit like this is the certification, um, conversation that often comes up, um, is the argument of an individual has a uh, CISP or CISMA, for example, as a, as a, uh, a well-known security cert uh, versus those that don't and it's it's that whole kind of certificate versus experience or the balance of the both um so i, I think uh, I, I think there are it, it has benefited me a little bit probably probably not as not as much as as maybe others would think it would um but i mean only time only time will tell as to as to as to how things go in the next sort of couple of years i guess and what would you say you see your career looking like in the next three to five years? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very much a, in, in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm always a, a kind of a forward planning type of person, but I'm, I'm trying to very much enjoy living in the now more. Um, I, I guess the funny thing is that having a plan is, is great, but it's always, always changing. So if, if you'd ask me, asked me this question three years ago um i could guarantee i wouldn't have said i'd be in security um but given how much i now love this area and i've i've i finally found it sounds corny but i've kind of found my home as such it's it's, it's an area in a field that i i really feel comfortable in and uh, i'm thriving in and and um actually can say i'm passionate about um but yeah i mean I think I can safely say I'm going to be here here in this field for a long time. Uh, and in terms of my kind of longer term aspirations, I'd, I'd like to, um, I mean, I'm, I'm now talking beyond five years. Um, I'd like to be a, a CISO at a FTSE 100 or equivalent. Um, but I, I'm not trying to plan the bit in the middle too much because I think, um, I think I, I've tried to do that in the past a little bit too much. Um, and now it's, I think it's better just to see what happens Um I think you've proven that in this industry, things change very quickly. And I think um, opportunities come to you that you didn't exactly, you know, plan or, or see. Um, but, you, you you know, you've certainly in the last, you know, two to three years excelled at, at what you're, you know, you've, you've undertook. Um, and I think like, you know, there's not one pathway to get into cybersecurity and you're another person that has, has proven that. So, um, you know, that's testament to you in terms of, you know, what you've done in the last three. So I hope the next three are just as good for you. Um, so what about the industry though? Like, you know, moving away from your career, what, what do you see the industry looking like or how will it change in the next three to five years? What's your predictions? So I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see a, a huge shift or a huge a uh, huge amount of change, and and um, I, I always enjoy enjoy the, the beginning of the year or, to, or towards the end of the year when people start making their predictions for for for, for cyber, and and you see see the lists kind of appearing. Um, but I, I think really we'll see more more of the same. Um, we'll continue to see data breaches, um, uh, but thinking about it positively, I think hopefully more organisations will begin to make more thoughtful risk based decisions. Um, 
and those that actually do that um, will, will likely reap the benefit of it, whilst others will probably leave themselves more open to impact from from cyber threats. Um, I, I think there's still there's still a, still a, a shift where where businesses need to um, need, need to understand that a cyber attack is going to happen, um, rather than it's rather than thinking it's not, um, and that those that are better prepared to deal with that um, will obviously will obviously be better. Um, the, the other, I guess, the other key area that um, for me I, I sort of think about is that the, often we hear about the skills gap, um, which uh, I think that's that will continue. Um, but I think hiring teams need to probably realise that they, they they're going to start bringing in people that don't have direct skills or experience, um, and I think that's where. I think that's where a lot of the, the problems are kind of existing at the moment. In that the we're still quite a young we're still quite a young field, um, and um, the the sudden shift in this uh, desire for businesses to to grow security teams and then not having the not having the pool or pot of 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 people with with relevant experience that maybe IT as a as a wider a wider function have because. IT people tend to be able to flex and and switch between roles more more easily um, when the demands kind of come. So I, I think uh, there needs to be sort of a, a shift towards kind of strength-based recruitment. Um, and I think that's probably one answer um, uh, along with kind of more graduate and apprenticeship type schemes. Um, but I, I think it's a really good time to be involved with security or data protection and anyone who is, who is thinking about uh, it as a as a potential kind of career path um certainly seek out seek out ways to get in um reach out to people in the industry i'm 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 always happy for people to 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 network with me on linkedin or send me messages um and uh, yeah i'm I kind of at the end of the day i've 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 done it i've i've shifted from from one field to another and and um i'm really enjoying it and i'd love to love to see more people coming in so just on this to finish, you know, like you talk about strength-based recruiting. So how are you doing it, which might be different to other companies to attract people, you know, especially as a local regional company? So, so yeah, so as a, as a regional regional business, um, and again, being based down in Hastings, it, it is quite challenging for us to, to, uh, to, to recruit um, in particular for, for security and, and data protection because there's, there's only a limited number of experienced candidates um I, I, yeah I'm, I'm actually i'm actually recruiting for a role as 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 i speak at the moment um and my my approach was to have a, a job description that uh, or a job advert and job description that was wasn't um wasn't exclusive so it was more inclusive of others that maybe have some kind of transferable strengths or, or um, either, either transferable skills or certain strengths that they could apply to the role. Um, so I kind of opened it up. Um, it, it meant from a recruitment perspective, the, 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 the filter became quite wide um, and it was a bit, a bit more time invested in, in terms of sifting through CVs. But actually um, in the pipeline, we've, we've now got more people than we would have had if we'd gone with the must be xyz and if they don't match that that particular 
um, kind of category, then they're they're, they're not going to be shortlisted. Um, so uh, I think if I think if other if other hiring managers are prepared to put a, just a little bit more time into it and and work a bit more closely with their either with their internal recruitment teams or with their uh, external recruiters, um, I think they'll probably start reaping the benefit of that. Um, and and again, thinking outside the box. So have you considered graduates? Have you considered um, have you considered converting the role into a more junior position and and having someone that you can kind of mold and train up and and develop that way? As soon as you do that, then you open the door to to, to a much wider wider opportunity. Perfect. Now, Ian, we finish the podcast with the same ten quick fire questions. So okay. you ready? <laughs> All right, let's go. What turns you on professionally? Uh, positivity uh, and. Uh, and a positive culture to, to, to work in. What turns you off professionally? Uh, the, the opposite. So uh, an environment that's, that's very, uh, very negative. How do you unwind? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a chill on the sofa, uh, feet up with my wife, um, watching a film. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of the, op- the complete opposite of, uh, of a technical person when it comes to living at home I don't, I don't have a smart home I don't I, I turn off from technology and, and I, I find that's the best way for me to to uh, to get proper downtime perfect what profession other than your own would you like to try uh, I've always had an interest in marketing um, I, I'm not sure sure why I, it's just something that I've always kind of thought thought about doing um, yeah Okay. <laughs> uh, what activity gives you the most energy? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, probably playing tennis. Actually, um, it's, it's something I've always enjoyed doing, and when I do get to do it, um, yeah, it's a it's a good sport. Who is your biggest inspiration? Uh, probably, probably my other half. Actually, I think because. Uh, she has the, this amazing ability just to just to manage everything that gets thrown at her. Um, she, she she does huge amount for 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 our family and for for our children. Um, uh, certainly more than than I, I I feel that I could ever do. So um, yeah, that's closest personal. Excellent. If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Uh, human. You were at your best when you were doing what? Uh, being put under pressure uh, or, or put in challenging situations. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you like to impart? Uh, always think about stuff in the most positive way that you can. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as the reason he is letting you through the gates? uh oh gosh um i i guess i i guess um that that i've uh that i've done what i can to 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 help others develop and and um and looked after my my own family and, and friends perfect so you know you, you had to handle some pressure there with them last two questions <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i really appreciate your, your time today and so look 
you know, how can people find you, you know, if they want to know a bit more about, you know, what you're doing, they want to maybe, um, you know, join you or they just want to speak to you about, you know, anything that, that could have been said on this podcast, where can they find you? Uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not a huge, huge one for pushing social, social media. Um, but you can, yeah, you can find, um, you can f- probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I, th- I think that's, um, that that's generally where I, li- I like to have conversations. Um, so again, yeah, if you just search for, for, if you search for Ian Edwards, um, MBCS, um, that, that probably will, will, will bring me up or just search for Ian Edwards information security that that'll come up. Um, I do have a, a, a Twitter handle but I don't really use it very, very often. Um, so I, I probably won't bother sharing that. Um, <laughs> I'd rather, rather be honest than, than, than share it and make it sound like I'm some all, 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 uh, all with uh, social bod. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what's your, what's your lasting message for anyone that's, you know, in cybersecurity or information security or looking to move into the industry? I, I think uh, grab any opportunity that you can that would uh, potentially lead you down that path, even if it's not a, a, a direct security role. So um, if, if you're looking for ways in, consider consider IT, because I think it, the, the technical grounding is, 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 is brilliant. Um, or if you're not technical at all, business analysis, there's all, all sorts of things that you could you could do um and uh get out and and get get up to some secure one or two security conferences a year just meet with people talk to people um uh connect with me on linkedin uh send me a message um send my peers and messages we're we're, we're a very very uh, friendly community um and i think that's actually the one thing that's um one thing that's had such a uh, positive impact on me actually is how friendly um the security industry is um, both from kind of the vendor side and the um, the professional side, I think everyone's very supportive of each other because ultimately we all have a very similar goal as to where we're going. And and, and the, the only other message I would probably leave is uh, just be be positive and be happy and uh, enjoy what you do um, or find ways to enjoy what you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.